I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and he answered my prayer. I looked to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. You know, there are songs that uh, pull on your heartstrings. What may seem like an average tune to one person can melt another person into a puddle of raw emotion. There's a line, maybe a phrase that kind of captures your heart. When I was sick with COVID in November 2020, I had two different stays in the hospital and I was struggling with my oxygen level. In fact, my voice was gone. I'll be honest, I was filled with doubt, didn't know that if, if I would ever be able to lead people into worship again or if I would ever preach again. I couldn't talk and I definitely couldn't sing. I remember sitting in a chair in our bedroom at the house one Sunday, and I was watching service online. And Tisha began to sing the song that she sang this morning, that the lyrics say, it's your breath in my lungs. So I pour out my praise, pour out my praise. And as I sat there in my chair, because I didn't have the strength to stand, I, uh, tears just began to come down my face. I couldn't vocalize the praise from my, from my voice or from my lungs, but I could, I could definitely vocal, uh, vocalize the praise that God, so God could hear me. I gave him my best that morning. We had sung that song before, but that day, the tune just hit a little bit different. That day... It just touched me in a way that I'd never had experienced before when I'd sang that song. Songs that touch your heart are meaningful. We were in a van full of teenagers one time, and, and the song I can only imagine comes on. And this young Christian lady shouted out, stop, everybody stop, listen, listen, be quiet. This is the song I got saved to. She was so excited. There was something about that song. And I was like, listen, that song's talking about heaven. It's not talking about salvation. You know, I'm going through the theology of the song. It's talking about heaven. I can only imagine what heaven's going to be like. And then, and, but for her, she reconciled that to a moment, to an experience. Sometimes you remember what, a, what song was playing. Maybe the song that was playing on the radio when you first looked over at your, at your girlfriend who's now your wife and you remember that there was a connection, something that happened. Songs touch the heart for many reasons. Some it's based on our present experience. Sometimes it's based on our past experience. And some songs are prophetic in nature where they begin to look to the future. Today we're going to continue our series, Mixtape Volume 1. Uh, we're, we, we're going through the songs of the ascent. Beginning in Psalm 120, there are 15 psalms that are dubbed the songs of the ascent. They make 
a mixtape, if you will, or a hymnal that were used by people as they would go up to Jerusalem for these annual feasts, Passover in the spring and Pentecost in the summer and the Feast of Tabernacles in the, in the autumn. And these pilgrims would sing these songs together as they journeyed in family groups to Jerusalem. And this helped to focus their minds on what the Lord has done for their nation. Today's song really is a song that deals with our heart. Look at Psalm 122. I was glad, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. All the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord. And as the law requires of Israel... Here stands the throne where judgment is given, the thrones of the dynasty of David. Pray for peace in Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. O Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, may you have peace. For the sake of the house of the Lord your God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. We see the phrase house of the Lord and can look at it in a modern day context. We can look at it like the house of the Lord. If we interpret it, we interpret it through the lens of 2023. We, if we do that, we're missing the truth of the scripture. Now, I don't know about, maybe you've seen this video that's circulating online. It's a little kid and he goes up to the, in the church. He grabs the microphone for a testimony service and everybody's like, look at this kid. I mean, he's like eight, nine, 10 years old. And he, he grabs the microphone and he looks at the church people and he says, I'm sick of this church. <laughs> and I thought, oh man, if they would have let me have a mic at age nine, sorry, mom, if they would have let me have a mic at age nine or 10, I might've said the same thing, you know, because you, you, when you're a young kid like that, you don't understand what fully what's going on, what's happening in, 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 in and around you. And when we put church in this scripture in a modern day context, see that kid wasn't glad when he went into the house of the Lord. And we can say, well, I was glad when they said, I've even used this as an opener. Hey, the scripture says, I was glad when they said unto me, it's, let us go to the house of the Lord. How many have heard somebody get up and lead a, a worship service like that and use this scripture? But we miss the beauty of this scripture when we look at it through our lens of 2023. While that's practical, while it's applicable, what, what we really need to understand is that God has something deeper in mind as it turns to this scripture. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. We aren't living in the Old Testament where they had to travel to meet with God at a, at a location, at a building. We are living in the New Testament where the presence of God is available to everyone. It's available to all, anytime and anywhere. Acts chapter 7 verse 47 says, but it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples 
made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that, asked the Lord? Could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make both heaven and earth? So, so God is not limited to a building. He's not limited to a location. He's not limited to a space or a time. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. He is available to all of us. He isn't confined to Jerusalem or to a tabernacle. Paul shed some light on his dwelling place in his letter to the Corinthians church. He was talking to them about sexual sin, and he says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, don't you realize that your body is a temple or is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So we don't have to make these long pilgrimages to holy places to hear from God. We don't have to make these long drives or, or these long tracks to, to a, a specific place in order to worship God. The key thing, and I want you to catch this this morning, is your heart. The key thing is your heart. Your heart. From David's words in this psalm, we can easily discern the kind of heart that believers need if we're going to please God with our lives and our worship. Like a good song that touches your heart, the question I have for you today is what will touch the heart of the Father? Number one, write this down. Oh, it's very simple today, friends, but it's a heart for God. What touches the heart of the Father? A heart for God. Now look at this. He says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Now if we go back, back just a couple of psalms, a couple of songs, if you will, on our mixtape, they, they were in the process of journeying. Now, he says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now we're standing inside. Now we're, we've made it. We're, 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 no, we're no longer on a track. We're no longer on a pilgrimage. We're inside your gates. This was a psalm that was written by David. While the psalm has its place among the songs of the ascent, David wouldn't have, have had to go on a pilgrimage to get to Jerusalem. Why? He was local. He lived there. His palace was there. You know, we lived in Oklahoma City for two years, and, and looking back on our time there, I wish there were some, there were some things that I would have liked to have done that I didn't do while I was there in Oklahoma City. One of them is the College World Series for, for uh, college softball. It's in Oklahoma City every year, and I, I would think, hey, next year, I, I would sit there and watch it in my living room. Next year, I'm going to go. Next year, I'm going to do this. Team USA, they, they trained softball. They trained right there in Oklahoma City, and they had exhibition games where USA would play different countries around the world. And I, I thought, man, I'm going to go watch that. Next year, I, I can't this year, but next year, the Big 12 basketball tournament, man, I love college basketball. And it was there, and I remember one Sunday, I saw some people, and they said, I said, what are y'all doing after church? They said, we're going to the championship game for the Big 12 basketball championship. And I was like, man, I wish I could have gone. I wish I would have known about that. I would have gone. 
Sometimes when things are local, we can foolishly think that we can do it next year. When God moved us back to Texas, there was no next year. And I thank God that he moved me back to Texas. Come on, somebody. Sometimes, even here in Sulphur Springs, we tend to take the local festivals for granted. Stew contest, it comes around every year. Ribeye cook-off, one of my favorites, it comes around every year. The dairy festival comes around every year. Because it's here, and we don't have to make the pilgrimage, casual fans may not really appreciate what we have in this town. Now, I want you to understand something. David had the tabernacle. He had the temple right there in his town. But he didn't treat going and getting into God's presence with apathy, with complacency, or with indifference. His proximity to the presence of God didn't curb his hunger, but it intensified his hunger for God. Psalm 27, 4 is the Psalm of David. He says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing that I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Think about that. The one thing that he sought, the one thing that he went after, the one thing that he wanted more than anything in this world was to be in the presence of the almighty God. Samuel, when he was talking about uh, the, the prophesying about David coming uh, at another time to Saul, he, he described David as a man after God's own heart. David's pursuit of God, his heart for God was what separated David from Saul. If we're going to touch the heart of God, then we have to have a heart for God. It's got to be about him. It's got to be about Jesus. The second thing I want you to see this morning is that it's, we, we've got to have a heart for worship. Jerusalem, verse 3. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. It says it's a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. All the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord as the law requires of Israel. Here stands the thrones where judgment is given, the thrones of the dynasty of David. There are several things that we can see here about Jerusalem. One, it was a place of security. I mean, it was a well-built city. That's the way they described it. Its seamless walls could not be breached. It, it, was, it was a place where they could find security. As a pilgrim that was coming from another, another area, another town, they could get inside the walls and they would feel safe. But it was also a place of unity. How many tribes were there? There were 12 tribes, right? All of the tribes who lived in different places would all come together all the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here, is what he said. So it's a place that unifies. It's a place of unity. What was the purpose in going? It was to worship, right? He says they came, they come to give thanks to the name of the Lord as the law requires of Israel. So what does this speak to? It speaks to the heart. It speaks to the heart. See, I want you to understand something, that worship is not a moment. Worship is not a service. 
Worship is not a song. Worship is not just a, a little bit of moment in time. Worship is a lifestyle. Romans 12, 1, one of my life verses, as dear brothers and sisters, uh, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Our lives should be a melody and a harmony giving thanks to God. Our life should be a top 40 single for Jesus. Our life should be a platinum record for God. I'm not talking about keeping score. I'm not talking about having a legalistic attitude or spirit, but I'm using the words of the Apostle Paul when he says, because of all that God has done for you, because of everything that God has done for you, let your lives be an act of worship unto God. That worship should compel us to live a life of worship unto Jesus. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore let us offer through Jesus a continual, not a once a week, not a, I came in and I sang my, a song this morning. I lifted up my hands in worship. I, 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 I did what pastor asked us to do. I clapped. I, I did my best in worship today. No, he says, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in needs. These are the sacrifices that please God. These are the sacrifices. As a church, one of the things that I've come to realize is that we need to be a group of people that worship extravagantly. I want, I want people that when they walk into this place, that they feel the very presence of God, not because of the talent that's on stage, but because of the heart, of, heart for God and the heart of worship that's in the people that belong here. So what does that mean? It means that we praise passionately. It means that we worship with our whole heart, with our whole life. It means that we give generously. And, and, and it means this, that our lives are more than just a song on Sunday morning, but our lives are a worship song to God throughout the week. Our cor corporate worship experience should be the culmination of our private praise. This is not the end all to end all. We should be ready to worship because we've worshiped all week. It shouldn't be the only time that we praise is on Sunday morning. It's a heart for worship. In the late, in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was a student pastor, and one of the songs that became very meaningful to me during that season of my life was a song called The Heart of Worship. I don't know if you remember this song or not. And, but it went like this. When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's of worth that will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within 
through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Matt Redman wrote that song, and, and it was a song that really came out of a season of apathy in their local church. At that time, England and, and the place where Redmond was located it was a hotbed for worship, for modern worship. And he recalled this. He said there was a dynamic that was missing. So the pastor did a brave thing. He got rid of the sound system. He got rid of the band for a season. And they gathered together with just their voices. No instruments, no amplification of voices, just their voices. And the pastor's point, he said, was that they had lost their way in worship. And the way to get back to the heart would be to strip everything away. Reminding the church, the pastor, Pastor Mike, he asked one Sunday morning, he says, when you come through the doors on Sunday... What are you bringing as your offering to God? Matt said the question actually initially led to some really kind of embarrassing silence. But eventually people begin to break out in song. They break out singing a cappella with no music and they begin to pray and cry out to God and they begin to encounter God in a fresh way. He said this, before long, we introduced reintroduced the musicians, we reintroduced the sound system, and as we gained a new perspective that worship is all about Jesus, and he commands a response in the depths of our soul, no matter what the circumstance and the setting, he said, the heart of worship simply describes what occurred. See, it, it, it puts a new spin on that song when you know the backstory. When you understand why it was written and how it was written, it, it, it puts a whole new spin been on the song. And I love it. It says, I'll bring you more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song. Listen, anybody can sing lyrics to a song. Anybody can get here and mouth words to a song, but there's something different when we actually put meaning behind that, when we actually worship with our hearts and with our lives, and then we come to God and we say, I'm here, I'm giving you my best today, God. I'm pouring out my heart to you today. Oh, it's Monday at 3 p.m., and I don't feel like it because the weekend was long, but God, right now, I'm choosing, in spite of what's going on around me, I'm choosing to give you thanks, and I'm choosing to bring praise. I might have to say, oh, come on, my soul, don't be quiet on me, lift up the name of Jesus right now because there's something that's happening on the exterior that's affecting my interior and I need to see, as the psalmist said to say, bless the Lord on my soul and all that's within me, bless his holy name. There's something about having a heart, a true heart for worship. It's not about the song, it's not about whether we're on pitch or out of tune, it's about the heart for worship. Number three this morning, y'all still with me? Say Amen. The last thing 
we see a heart for God here. We also see a heart for worship, but we see a heart for prayer. Look at verse six. Pray for peace in Jerusalem. May all who love the city prosper. Oh, Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, may you have peace. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. In the book of Acts, we see that they were gathered at Pentecost in Jerusalem. And it says there were, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Several other places, Egypt, parts of Libya. Visitors from Rome, Cretans, Arabs. After these men and women believed the gospel and received the Holy Spirit, what did they do? They went back home. They went back home and they took the very presence of God with them. The glory of the Lord spread beyond Jerusalem. Acts 1 says, you will receive power from on high and then you'll be witnesses here in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the other most parts of the earth. They were never meant to stay in Jerusalem. The glory of the Lord spread beyond that location. The expansion continues today as the gospel is proclaimed around the world and across the street. It's proclaimed here locally. It's proclaimed here in our state. It's proclaimed around the world. And as we said earlier today about Mission Sunday, we've got hope partners all the way around the world in Scotland and Moldova. We have people in the Ukraine. We have people in Poland right now. We have people that are going to be on, in, in Cambodia here just within a week. We've got people all over Africa. In in South America, we have them right here in the United States. Our partners are literally around the world fulfilling the Great Commission and doing it with the power of the Holy Spirit that's described in Acts 1.8. And the psalmist, as he's closing this prayer for Jerusalem out, he says, For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. Now, when we read those words in light of the Pentecostal experience and all that Jesus has done, it's no longer enough for us just to pray for Jerusalem. It's no longer enough for us just to pray for Jerusalem. In fact, if we pray for Jerusalem alone, we're missing the point. The house of the Lord is no longer contained within the limits of one city. We then, if we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, are you with me today? If we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, if he dwells within us, then the proper response is not only, sure, we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but we also need to pray for the peace of our brothers and sisters who are all around the world, who are our neighbors, who are right here in this facility today. Jesus, he prayed a prayer that we should emulate in John 17. Verse 20 says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Listen, Jesus prayed for you before he ever went to the cross. He prayed for you. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. 
So we need to not only be a, a church or a people that has a heart for God, but we need to be a people that has a heart of worship, but also a heart of prayer. Now listen, I, I'll be honest with you. Prayer for some people that I've encountered in life, is, it, it, it seems like it comes naturally. Have you ever been with somebody and they prayed and you were like, whoa, I wish I could pray like them. I wish, I mean, like when they pray, they touch heaven. Like when I pray, like I, I might touch the ceiling or something, you know. I don't even feel like my prayers, you know, get beyond that. And so some people are a little self-conscious when it comes to prayer. Some people are more eloquent in their words. Some people are a little more casual in their approach to prayer. It doesn't talk about our style. It talks about our heart. Don't compare yourself to somebody else's prayer. Recently, the staff and I have been read a book. We, we just wrapped it up this month called Pray First. It's by Chris Hodges. He pastors a church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. And he's written this book called Pray First. And it was after we'd been going through it like a couple of months that, that a friend of mine uh, told me that they actually have an app for the book. Who knew, who knew that there's an app for that, right? And so here's what I've done is I've actually put the link on it on connectedhope.com for you to be able to go download this, this app. And here's the thing. Some of you have great prayer lives. You have wonderful prayer lives. You, have, you, you are detailed in it. You maybe have a prayer journal where you've written out prayer requests. And then there's some of you that like, you're like, man, I just don't do the prayer thing because I, it's hard for me. I, I, I get, we have people on the whole spectrum here today. I want to tell you that this has helped me personally. He's got models in there, prayer models. What is that? It's scripture. It's where he says, our father who art in heaven, okay, take a moment today and just praise God. And it has a little bed of music behind it, no lyrics or anything. But it just walks you through different prayer points. And you can, you can do it as, at a self-paced or you can just push play and it'll, it'll let you go. Uh, you can pray over it. It has the prayer of Jabez. It has all these different prayers that you can pray in, in, over your life. It has uh, resources for fasting. I'm telling you guys, it's a great resource. It's a great resource, especially for those of you who are new to faith, who are new to praying. It's a great way to spend 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just giving, you know, just spending time in the presence of the Lord and cultivating that heart of prayer. Chris writes this, he says, while sometimes prayer is the only thing that we can do, it is always the best thing we can do. Too often, prayer becomes our last resort, but God wants our prayer, wants prayer to be our first response. Listen, I'm, I'm a guy that wants to fix things. I get it. Most men, we probably are. If there's a problem, we're going to try to solve it. And if we can find a way to do it our own, we're going to do it ourselves. But what if we flip the script? What if we flip the script? And instead of trying to fix it first, why don't, why don't we try to pray first? Why don't we try to ask God what he wants to do in our lives? 
See, if we want our lives to be a song that touches the heartstrings of God, we need to have a heart for God. We need to have a heart of worship or for worship, and we need to have a heart for prayer. So today we're gonna receive communion together. Communion's a way that we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. And this morning we're gonna remember his sacrifice so that we can use that as motivation to be the living sacrifice that he desires us to be. We wanna have a heart for God, a heart for worship, and a heart for prayer. Amen? So if you didn't get one of the communion cups this morning on your way in today, would you just slip up your hand and one of our ushers will get, get that to you? Yeah, if you need if you need one, Steve's going to help us out. Just slip up your hand today. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 11. He was talking about the Lord's Supper, the, what we refer to commonly as the Last Supper. And Jesus gave this pattern or this model or we refer to it in the Assemblies of God as an ordinance of the church. It's something that we're, we're supposed to take a moment and, and remember the sacrifice. But there's some instruction and in verse 27. It says, so if anyone eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily, that person is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking from the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup unworthily, not honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Psalm 139, verse 23, is a prayer. And it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. One translation of this scripture says, would you cross-examine me? Would you cross-examine me, God? Would you see, would you, would you go in depth, see if there's anything that I, that, that's not supposed to be there and get rid of it in my life? It says, Tisha and the team just begin to sing the first verse of this song and chorus. Would you take a moment right where you're at and would you search your heart today? Would you search your life today and see if there's anything between you and God? It was my cross and says, for this is what the Lord himself said, and I pass it on to you just as I received it. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Would you just break that wafer in your hand this morning? 
And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. How many of you today need healing in your body? The scripture tells us that he was wounded for our transgressions, that he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. If you need healing this morning, would you just slip up your hand right now? And and I'm going to pray a prayer over all of us today. Father, I thank you for the broken body. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you heal our sickness, that you heal our diseases. Those with diabetes today, Lord, let it be gone. Those with heart conditions, let it be gone. Those with cancer, let it be gone in Jesus' name. Those with back trouble today. Father, those that are having pain in their knee right now, in their ankle right now, God, I pray that that would be gone. Those that have debilitating headaches right now, Lord, that their eye problems, their eye situations, Lord, I speak healing over their body right now. Lord, I say be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. God, and we thank you right now for your broken body. We thank you for the power of healing in our lives. In Jesus' name, come on, let us receive the bread together today. take a moment and just personally thank him for what he's done. God, we thank you right now. We thank you. We lift our voices together in a collective prayer today. God saying thank you for your blood. God, it never loses its power. God, it it's reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. God, I thank you, Lord, that by the shedding of blood, we can have forgiveness of sin today. God, I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you that you cast our sin as far away as the east is from the west. And God, I bless your name today. And I thank you, Lord, for your shed blood. Come on, can you receive the cup with me today? Come on, would you just stand to your feet right now? Would you worship God today? Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve, you deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is, worthy is your name, Jesus. 
Maybe you need a mixtape of worship songs. Maybe you need to just find a place and, and hit play and just spend a few moments worshiping Him. But maybe you need to ask yourself the question, is the life I'm leading right now, does it show that I have a heart for God, a heart for worship, and a heart for prayer? May we go with God this week. May we be better than we were last week. I'm not talking about legalism, friends. I'm talking about us being a living sacrifice because of what Christ did for us. Amen. Our kids are, are at the back door today, and, and today is Mission Sunday, and, and our kids always come and take the change uh, that we have. Some of you have a buddy barrel, and you bring that with you, and you drop that in there on your way out this morning. We do have, for those of you that are here in the house this morning, we have hamburgers and hot dogs and homemade ice cream in the fellowship hall, and so we're going to invite you to go back there. That parents, if you'll take your kids back there with you, if we can let our senior adults uh, go through the line first and, and, and get there through there, that would be great. Um, and I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over the food, but I'm also going to pray a prayer of blessing over you today. Amen. Father, I thank you that we can gather together as a church family to worship, but we can also gather together and break bread and fellowship with one another. And I just pray today that you would bless our time together. Bless the hands and the, that's prepared this today for Joey and Bradley and Sue and their team back there. I pray, God, that you would just bless them for blessing us. I pray, God, today uh, over this food that you would bless it to the nourishment of our bodies, our bodies to your service. And I pray for your church, God, that you would bless them and keep them, that you would make your face shine down upon them and that you would be gracious to them and give them peace. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. God bless you, church.